0: Hey, Welcome into the Ball Blast Podcast. I'm your host,
1: Kate. And I'm Michelle.
0: And you can find me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And me,
1: Michelle, at BallBlastEM. Um, Ball
0: E-M. Uh, we are a proud member of the Ross Tucker Podcast Network. Proud member of the Ball Blast football team, which we are so excited about. Uh, we've got a lot of really cool projects going on. We've got a lot of Patreon stuff. Uh, if you haven't checked out our Patreon, it's patreon.com ballblast. Lots of exclusive content for our Patreon members over on ballblastfootball.com. We've got so much cool stuff going on, getting you ready for your draft seasons. Be sure to check it out.
1: Breaking news. Breaking news.
0: Michelle, how are you feeling about where we're at? Training camp's supposed to start next week.
1: So it's actually, like, starting right now, but they're doing the testings, which they have to pass, what, three or four of them? I think it's three of them in four days. They pass pass those tests in order to start their in-person meetings, their training they
0: interestingly yeah. enough we've had some rookies come up positive we've got rookie Keyshawn vaughn running back for the tampa bay bucks yeah. uh justin jefferson with the minnesota vikings there have been a few positivities that are negativities
1: i was going to say i don't know if they're positivities and we also don't know if they actually tested positive for covid because they they're not mandatory i don't even know if they're allowed to say if they tested positive but if they got, it's
0: positive or antibody testing,
1: like, which one, it, are yeah. they actively infected? Did they just come in contact with someone that they know of? That It could be all those things. So they just got put on reserve COVID-19 list, which is a new thing with the NFL. They can come off that list at any time, so we'll see how long it takes. It really should take a maximum of two weeks, right? Because you would think you...
0: Supposedly. Yeah,
1: so... Hopefully, these rookies aren't too far behind, but I don't expect too much practice to be going on, like, actually, like, on the field practice until quite a while, probably a couple weeks or so. No,
0: they, uh, actually, a reporter for the Bears actually just came out and said that they will not attempt practice, at least for Chicago, until at least August 17th, which is 30 days prior to the NFL season. Not a lot of time to prep.
1: (laughs) No, that's really short, and we've only heard Chicago come out to say that. I mean, they're all getting tested right now, and we're on June 28th. So, August 17th, like, what are you going to do that whole time? And then you're going to have to retest. I mean, you're, they're going to be testing every day anyways, but the rule was they're going to test every day unless there was a certain amount of, if it's like under I think 5%. I it's under 5%, right?
0: 5% positivity rate, then they will test every other, other day. day. John Elway has come out to say that he's tempered expectations for rookie performances uh, with the cancellation of the NFL preseason, which I have to agree with him. I I can't imagine I, what it's like, A, for an NFL rookie to try to acclimate to the NFL, period, let alone when you've had this altered offseason with so many different factors like I will say, even from like a mental health standpoint, I don't feel like this has been a good year for most people. You, a, a lot of these guys have probably been separated from family. Like this has not been a normal year. It's normally, it's tough to adjust. Normally,
1: I'm really worried about wide receivers to begin with as rookies, and now it's kind of weird because I'm worried about them that they're not going to get enough practice. But if you compare the rookie wide receivers to the rookie running backs. I don't see a reason to get the rookie running backs out on the field. Like I, all these rookie running backs, this is kind of the year they're behind pretty solid vets that know the system, they know the playbook. They're they, the coaches trust them, and no matter they drafted a running back or not, like I don't get why you would just be like, You know what? Just go out there. I know you know you don't know anything, and you had like three weeks of practice, but just go. Like I don't see that happening until. I- I
0: genuinely believe the exception is Zach Moss, where they're like, hey, do you know how to fall forward into an end zone? end zone?
1: Yeah. And he might have some end zone carries. But so I'm very worried about most rookie running backs. And maybe by midseason, if we make it to midseason, I'm going to be optimistic. We'll start to see their snaps increase. Now, though, what I was going to say is these rookie wide receivers, they all most of them went to places where they actually need them. Like, if we're talking about a Denzel Mims, there is no other wide receivers in the Jets organization. I mean, you have hey,
0: Brashad Perryman. Perryman and
1: Crowder, but you need a third wide receiver to play. Like, you do need a third wide receiver to play. You're <laughs> talking about Jerry, Judy, like, unless you're going to throw to Deshaun Hamilton out there all the time still. like Tim Patrick. Yeah, Tim Patrick. And maybe these guys do play, but for how long? Like, I don't think it's going to take that long. For Judy to prove himself, even. The good
0: thing about Denver is that they do have running backs who are able to catch the football, but there are so many question marks and so many
1: guys. Yeah, it doesn't mean say they going translate. to be productive. I'm saying these rookie ride wide receivers, normally I'm not for them, but this time, this year, no matter what the situation is, I still think they're going to see snaps because, like, I just brought up a couple, but then you bring up the two from Las Vegas, Byron Edwards and uh, Henry Ruggs. There's no other wide receivers with with Vegas either with the Vegas Raiders. So they're going to see the field. Now, if they're good, that's a whole different question. So, I
0: like, the thing that concerns me about buying into these guys, so look at a guy like J.J.R. Sega Whiteside, right? Like... Had all Ortega. the Arthega, oppor- he had all the opportunity in the world. I, he had literally nobody in front of him. He had no wide receivers in front of him. The two uh, guys to lead the team in targets were both tight ends.
1: That's not normal, though. Normal No, when but, a wide receiver gets a chance. Or okay, but he that's what say I'm saying. He couldn't he, even go to the bathroom by himself. Like he was so hurt this has all come out who i mean he had to make up some excuse because it was a really bad rookie season so we'll see how true it is but like he could barely walk he said uh he couldn't go to the bathroom by himself so maybe that's just an excuse as to why he was struggling his rookie season
0: jj regardless you had me nervous for the rest of the leap
1: are you calling him jj because you don't want to say his last name i i can't yeah
0: Ortega. i can't do it um, JJ, we're on a first name basis now. You have me nervous for the rest of the NFL rookies in the 2020 receiving class.
1: Well, why are you bringing up only JJ? He was the only, like, everyone else was fantastic. Everybody else bald. You, yeah, so why are you bringing up JJ is a reason why we shouldn't Because I rookies. think he is a prime example
0: of a guy that had the perfect, uh, you know, like, when you talk about a guy that is slated for opportunity or forced into a role where, like, he should see targets. He is the perfect example of that, and he did not.
1: Well, maybe that's why you still draft for talent, and that's why you draft Denzel Mims because he's fantastic. All, right. all right, fantastic, fantastic, and he's with a team that desperately needs a pass catcher. Get out of here, Denzel Mims. Denzel, <laughs> Mims. you are all about the Denzel <laughs> no. Mims. Well, too bad there's not a rookie wide receiver with the Green Bay Packers because if they were planning on relying on. Devin Funches is their wide receiver too, which that you deserve any karma you get for ever relying on that. Yeah, that, he is, that he
0: does is, lead us into our next yeah, point. He about is opted
1: out of the 2020 season, which breaking any, news. Yeah, if any player wants to opt out, that's on the good for them. They want to be safe for whatever reason, family matters, their own health reasons. We are not judging any player here that wants to opt out, but we are making fun of Funches a little bit for just him as a player. I think Nothing Ryan to do Mac- with him opting out.
0: Ryan McDowell said it best Devin Funches has been opting out of the NFL season for like ever. Yeah. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, For sure. So if the Packers were really planning on him being the wide receiver too because they refused to draft a wide receiver of one of the best classes in a long time. You deserve it. Yeah, deserve it. So I guess Alan Lazard someone to maybe possibly ugh, keep an eye on. I do not want to. MVS. Yeah. No. Um,
0: no. Equimania, St. Brown. Brown. No.
1: Just like kind of last James year. Just Sternberger. Just like last year, it doesn't mean there has to be another good receiving option in Green Bay. There wasn't one last year even though Adams missed a lot of time. It just made Aaron Jones a little bit better because he had saw more targets, but
0: we did uh one of our own ball blast writers Mike Mattes wrote a really nice piece about like who could emerge as the number 2 receiving asset in Green Bay. And honestly, I feel like the conclusion of the article was that like Yikes trusting any of these guys. It I we did this last year. We did this in twenty nineteen. Is it going to be GMO or is it gonna be MVS And guess what? It was a big fat neither.
1: Yeah, it was nothing. And that's what I, I kinda said that by the end. I was like, I don't really know if there's anyone to trust. And then it was kind of the same thing for the Steelers wide to receiver too. It was like, you know what? Like don't trust Washington or who was it at that time? Uh, Dante Johnson. No, it wasn't. It
0: was Dante Deontay. Moncrief. Dante Moncrief Ugh.
1: is who was getting uh, I try to black about. out
0: that period of yeah. time in my life.
1: There's just sometimes there doesn't have to be a good second wide receiver in every team. Like, no. Uh, and another, another team to talk about here, Elshon Jeffrey for the Eagles. He is going to start on the active PUP list. So we'll, we'll keep track of him. We don't know if he's going to be healthy enough to start by game one. Uh, so I guess I would put Jalen Rager, rookie, in a nice situation.
0: J.J. Arthaga-Whiteside. <laughs> J.J.
1: Arthaga-Whiteside. Miles Sanders should get more targets. I really think all this really does is just boost Zachary's targets.
0: I Like normal. But Dallas Goddard was second in team targets in 2019, and I feel like that's the most underrated fact.
1: I didn't know that. Like, yeah. I kind of almost want to go look it up because I don't trust it.
0: <laughs> he absolutely was. He mm. he ranked second in team targets, and I, I genuinely believe that, you know, as they start to explore maybe closer towards the end of Zach Ertz's contract, so after this year, it, it does make more financial sense than it ever had for them to get out of this deal. Because Zach Ertz, he does cost a lot of money. And why would you pay that money if you've got a really solid tight end to back him up?
1: Yeah, I mean, Dallas Goddard is definitely a sneaky, a sneaky draft pick there. Because also, if Ertz ever uh, had him miss a game or two, like Goddard Lord would jump into that top five tight end Yes, he was. Uh, Another big thing to monitor is Debo Samuel. Nothing to do with COVID for once, but... Thank God. I mean, his broken foot that he's been dealing with now for about a month, he had that Jones fracture. Like, when it happened, people said he might be ready by the beginning of the season. Now John Lynch, the GM of the 49ers, is coming out to say it's fair to say that Debo Samuel might miss uh, some time in the regular season, a few games. I called this. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's not you calling. Like, you this broke obvious. your foot, dude. Yeah, this is obvious. So the, the GM saying he's probably looking at three to four weeks that he's going to miss. It's really hard to draft Debo Samuel in a redraft league, it- knowing that he's going to be dealing with this issue. Like, And then also, I was already kind of weary about him anyways. Because he got so many of his yards after catch and what he did was not sustainable. He would need so many extra targets to begin with to even just compare to what he did last year. His average depth of target is so incredibly low. And he's on a team that doesn't pass very much. All of that together. And they already have
0: a wide receiver one in George Cato.
1: Exactly. And now they just added Brandon Ayuk in the first round. All of this together, I just... I don't think you can draft Devo Samuel.
0: I I don't care where he falls in my redraft leagues. I don't think he's going to present me enough opportunity. Because, like, what uh, think about it, not necessarily the value that he will provide you once he returns. Think about the dead weight that he is on your bench yeah. until he
1: returns. And then how fast can you start him? I mean, we've seen Julio Jones go through the same injury... Earlier on in his career, and Julio Jones is Julio Jones, and you he can't struggled. Just slate him yeah. back. And into a lot your of players lineup. who have this issue have to have a second surgery before it's completely fine. So I'm not trusting Debo. And if he was, you know, if he was DK Metcalf or AJ Brown or Terry McLaurin, where you know he's going to see like a lot of targets and he's so. Right, I just don't think I saw that out of Debo Yeah, I know. I love that you I know can... he's so strong over the middle. Like, don't come at me. I know he's like such a strong player. That's it's all you hear when he's on the field is how strong he is. Like, they're obsessed over how strong he is. They
0: could just replay that over and like just hit play. Yeah, it, like it's a it. soundbite. He,
1: he's a strong wide receiver. Yeah, but good.
0: so the, the issue is just you know, like we always want to talk about. Uh, guys who are in, like, the wrong offensive scheme. Like, oh, the Browns, they're in a run-heavy offensive scheme. Why doesn't that apply to Debo
1: Samuel? I think it's a fine scheme for him. Like, he's going to be open. I'm saying it's a BS excuse. Like,
0: if you're a good wide receiver, you're going to get targets. Uh, OBJ is going to get targets. I just had to work him into this. You're trying to make
1: OBJ a thing. Okay, just, like, ignore her. Let's get into our segment today. So we're going to be talking about... The NFC North today. If you've missed it, go back to our previous episodes. We talked about the NFC East. West
0: and East. Yeah,
1: the East was last week, the West was two weeks ago. So if you missed any of your favorite teams, go back to those episodes and you can hear us talk about your favorite players. Hey, everybody, before
0: we get into today's segment about the NFC North, let's take a minute to talk about Draft, the fantasy football online draft board. Michelle, last year we actually hosted an event, had some live draft boards going. It was totally awesome, but they were a disaster to manage. Like, an absolute disaster. How many sheets of stickers came with those draft boards?
1: A lot of sheets. And then we also don't have, like, a big space for people to be in. So it was like, let me scooch by you to go yeah. you know, <laughs> to go put on the sticker. I mean, putting on the sticker is always fun, but it was kind of a headache, yes.
0: It was an absolute headache because you are tripping over each other trying to get your stickers on the board. Uh, no need to worry about that anymore because now we have Fan Draft, the Fantasy Football Online Draft Board absolutely incredible. Fan Draft makes your draft feel like the actual NFL draft, which is our favorite day of the entire year. They've got features like a streaming ticker, live draft clock, custom logos. You can even do walk-up songs. I don't know what your walk-up song would be, but mine ooh ooh I don't know. When I, I
1: have te- drink tequila. No, that Maybe. is not. No, yes. okay, Michelle, <laughs> like, you are. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I was drinking tequila during the draft.
0: Yes, but you are not allowed to have that as your walk-up song. We'll find right. you something better well, and really I don't even
1: know the words, so.
0: No, yeah, multiple draft boards. Um, you can use it online or offline. You can do it in-person drafts. I absolutely love all of the options that come with it. You
1: know, it's so important this year. I mean, with the pandemic, most of our drafts are going to be online. So this one can make it feel like you're actually with your group. You're actually, it looks like the stickers. Like if you go to this platform, it looks like the stickers you're putting on the board. And let's say you you do get a small group together to draft and you're safe and you're six feet away and you have your mask on. You don't have to touch all the stickers. You don't have to touch all the stuff, but you can project yeah, live board and it looks like you're going up there to put up the sticker and you have your walk-up somewhere. except you're being safe except, about yeah, it except you're being safe and you can still be in your group if you want to be as long as you know you're doing it right so this is an awesome product especially for this unique draft season
0: Absolutely, and for our listeners only, you can sign up for a free trial account at Fandraft.com when you're ready to order the pro account. So the difference between the free and the pro, you you get two rounds. You can mock draft with the free account, which is awesome. Trial it out. Make sure it's something that you like. But when you're ready to upgrade, be sure you use promo code BALLBLAST15 to get 15% off your purchase Again, that's Fandraft.com, promo code ballblast 15 to save 15% off your purchase at Fandraft. And have an awesome draft season because this is going to be one we remember for the ages.
1: Today, it's the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers, the Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings, and the Detroit Lions.
0: They are the most low key fantasy relevant division in the NFL.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of good pieces to them. Now, like we talk about the elite players to begin with. I don't know how many truly elite fantasy play- players there actually are in this division. There's a lot like right on the cusp. It's like, okay, do you consider them elite or do you not? So I actually only considered two players truly fantasy elite in this division where it's like, yes, draft him. Like, you're going to be fine. Like, draft him in the first round, no questions about it. Like, you're fine. And that's Devontae Adams and Delvin Cook. Do you agree with me or do you not?
0: I do agree with you, and I think the two guys on the cusp for me are Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay. I, I do think that both of them fit sort of that... That profile where they can they can win you weeks. Um, I'm I,
1: so upset with you right now. Like you would put either one of those two guys, either Kenny Galladar or, or Alan Robinson above Adam Thielen as an elite fantasy player?
0: No, I would put Adam Thielen
1: too. <laughs> okay, so it's three.
0: It's three. It, it's it is three. Okay. Um that's my bad. Yeah, no, uh absolutely Adam Thielen's, uh, I think, top seven in my in yeah. my wide receiver rankings so, for 2020. But I, I think
1: the bigger thing is when we're talking about elite is like, okay, you're at your draft position. They're next on the board. Like, do you take them or not? Are they a must-take? Yeah, are they a must-draft? And is it like no questions about it? You're going to be fine if you draft them. And I think all those guys have question marks. With Dalvin Cook and Devontae Adams, it's like, yeah, just take them. Yeah. Obviously, with Dalvin Cook, we have to worry about his holdout. But besides that, he's going to be great. So where do you have Dalvin Cook, actually, in your rankings for running backs? Are you easily going Barkley, CMC, uh, Zeke? And then, like, do you have Kamara in front of him?
0: I do. I, I have Kamara in front of him. I have Dalvin Cook as my RB6. I don't like... Who's your five? Derrick Henry.
1: Ooh, I like it. Even in PPR? Yep. Okay.
0: All right. I just genuinely believe that he will see the volume. My concern with Dalvin Cook is not so much about the potential for a holdout. I do actually think he reported for testing today for COVID-19. Um, so that potentially means we have nothing more to worry about, which would be kind of crazy considering the the drama we, we kicked up early in the off season, but... My concern is just more durability. So he had one pretty healthy season.
1: And he still missed.
0: We still have a giant uh, sample size of injuries. I I don't trust that we can see another season of Dalvin Cook being that healthy. Um, Our own Matthew Betts uh, warned against him and his... All injury do not draft list for 2020 over on bellblastfootball.com.
1: It is an issue, and I feel like people are forgetting about all of our concerns last offseason. Recency bias. Just because he almost made it through a season. yeah, he still had a pretty big shoulder injury. It hurt him for a couple games he was playing, and then hurt him where he missed time. So this is now, what, six years in a row, going back to college, maybe seven, where he's had an injury that's actually infected, or infected, affected his performance. So it is an issue. But yep. when he's on the field, he's fantastic. I will say. So I do have CMC, Kamara, Elliot and Barkley in front of Cook. I have one other running back in front of him. So he's also my running back six. He's your running back six, right? Yep. And you have Henry in front of him. I have Kenyon Drake in front of him. nuh Now, if I'm
0: sitting in a draft. I'm sweating my butt off just thinking about if it. If I'm
1: sitting in a draft and I'm in the middle of the first round and I know Dalvin Cook's going to play and there's no holdout, it's going to be really hard for me to take that shot on so Drake over Cook.
0: The, the criteria that we just used for elite is, if you're on the clock staring at this player, do you have to draft him? Yes, the answer is yes for Dalvin Cook the answer is no for Kenny Drake. yeah
1: no I agree with you so even though I have Drake one spot ahead of him they're pretty close in points so instead of taking that risk I'd probably just go with Cook because I think they're going to end pretty co- closely and I'm just going to take the most the more secure player
0: yeah take that stability yeah. um even if there is an injury risk, I don't think that it is going to be substantial enough to... Uh, the injury risk for Dalvin Cook is just as substantial as the question marks that exist for Kenyon Drake. Yeah, he's never Can done he play it a full yeah, season?
1: He's never done it before. And then with Devontae Adams, he's a super easy, safe wide receiver to take this year. They got
0: nobody else to throw to him. Have No
1: one else. I wouldn't be shocked if you saw 180 targets. Like I really wouldn't be, because... Who else? That's a lot of targets. Aaron Rodgers going to throw to That's a lot of targets, and I wouldn't project him for that money. Alan Lazard, wide receiver one. But my question is, would you be shocked at the end of the year if Adams had 180 targets? But
0: fun fact, did you know that Devontae Adams has only exceeded 1,000 receiving yards once in his NFL career? We
1: all know this. Yeah, Once. I do think he's a little bit overrated as an actual wide receiver, but for 2020 fantasy... I really Volume love him. is king. Yep, and he's my wide receiver, too, for this year. I think he's going to be fantastic. And I, I
0: have a secret. Yeah. He, uh, I just redid my projections the other day, made a few tweaks, few tweaks. Devontae Adams is now my wide receiver one.
1: Over Michael Thomas?
0: Over Michael Thomas. Right. I I don't... I, By
1: how many points?
0: They're very close. They're. Yeah. Very, I don't even have their points up in front of me, but... They are very close, but I, I just feel very good about the target volume for Devonte Adams. Let's get into our league winners, our busts, our sleepers, our values. Uh, tell me, should we start off on a positive note? We always try to start positive. Yep. Um, or should we mix it up? Let's mix it up. Oh my no, gosh. We want to
1: start positive. We should we be positive? negative? No, today's that... been a negative day with all these COVID opt-outs. We need to start positive.
0: All right, so let's start league winner. Michelle, give me your league winner for the NFC North.
1: So my league winner, because you took my boy, which you'll get to in a second, but that's fine. We have a doc sheet and we get to go in and she definitely wrote down his name faster than I could. But (laughs) I'll go with my second option here. It's Kenny Galladay. He's no, he's no chump. He's no chump. He's going to be. He's great. And when I say league winner, I feel like this is kind of cheating because he's going pretty early. And league winner, I like to kind of say a later guy. But I don't really care because we need to talk about this fantastic wide receiver that people don't put in that elite category, and he should be put into that category. With Matthew Stafford last year, we only got to see a half a season out of Stafford. He played weeks one through nine with a buy in there, so it was eight games. But with Kenny Galladay, with Matthew Stafford... He was on pace for seventy receptions, twelve hundred and eighty yards, and fourteen touchdowns, which would have made him the wide receiver Ooh. two in fantasy in twenty nineteen. The wide receiver Lord. two, pretty great. Uh, and then he had eleven end zone targets with Matthew Stafford. Those are valuable. Probably
0: helped out in regards to his fourteen touchdown
1: pace for sure. And and you know that's obviously going to help out, but. So, if he has 11 end zone targets at Stafford from weeks 1 through 9 in 8 games, he ended with 14 end zone targets for the season. So, the first half of the season, 11. That means the second half of the season without Stafford, he only saw three. That's a pretty big difference. Matthew Stafford, hopefully, will be back for the season. Hopefully. We'll see if he opts out or not. I know he has some family concerns. So, we'll see what he decides there, and we'll support him either way. But if Matthew Stafford's back, I think Kenny Galladay has a fantastic season. And so the thing is, when you're looking at him and you're thinking about league winners, he is being drafted as a wide receiver seven, which is pretty early. And that might be what we, where we expect him to land. But if we're looking at the rest of the wide receivers going right around Galladay, it's it's already where there's question marks at the wide receiver position. I think it he's starts- the
0: safest bet. So yeah. he's going ahead of just ahead of Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Allen Robinson. All of those guys have plenty of things that make you wonder. How safe are they? What what can I count on for these guys? Kenny Galladay's been doing it. Like, yeah. he's already seen instability, and he's performed. Yeah, so performed.
1: the only wide receivers going before him are Michael Thomas, Devontae Adams, Hopkins, uh, Tyree Kill, Julio Jones, and then Chris Godwin right Those are all Galladay. good, good yeah. guys. I would put, you know, that's fine with me. I would put them ahead. I think they're a little bit more stable. They have a higher ceiling. But it just gets really weak really fast, and I love the wide receivers this year, but there's so many of them that can all kind of do the same thing. Where I feel like Kenny Galladay is that next guy to be elite, that has that high ceiling, but is also super safe. So like you brought up, like Evans isn't safe. DJ Moore isn't safe. Allen Robinson, with whatever quarterback he's going to have, isn't safe. Juju, we'll see if he can step back up with Ben. But all of these guys have question marks, so I'm fine with taking Kenny Galladay. And if you get him late in the second round, that's sure. That's cool with me. Like, that's a, a real solid wide receiver one.
0: Absolutely love it. I am going to go with the guy that you should have gone with. Yeah. If you were fast enough. Uh, my league winner is Adam Thielen, Minnesota Vikings. It's so funny that I forgot <laughs> to bring him up when I, I was talking about the elite contestants within the NFC North. Adam Thielen is so fantastic, and recency bias is the only thing keeping him from being drafted within the first two rounds of your NFL drafts. Uh, He is so, so talented. The 2019 season was just an anomaly all around. So he suffered a hamstring injury week seven, left the game after just nine offensive snaps. He was just never right after that injury. Even before that, he wasn't his best self. So, you know, he was on pace for 101 targets, 69 receptions, just under a thousand receiving yards, which isn't great for him. He's actually had uh, several thousand yard seasons in a row. Uh, he saw one of his lowest uh, target shares per game since the 2015 NFL season, uh, near low in receptions per game, like. He just wasn't doing it, right? But when you look at the fact that he was injured, um, even when you look at his performance before the injury, which wasn't great, he was still ranked as the wide receiver 9 in PPR leagues. That's still a down season for him, and he was the wide receiver 9? Like, the ceiling is so high for Adam Thielen. Stephon Diggs is gone Justin Jefferson, how big of a role are we really projecting for Justin Jefferson? Ola B C Johnson. Oh, I'm actually I'm I'm interested in Ola B. C. Johnson. No. It, it is his sophomore season. Just because he is an
1: undrafted—that's that's exactly the reason. He's an undrafted. Did you know player. Adam Thielen was undrafted? Oh, that's fine. That's not a usual thing. I'm just, say- I'm sure just saying. He not showed any glimpses last year of anything.
0: Let's let's give him no. a little bit more credit for the fact no. 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 that no. No. he is no. he is going. Okay. All right. Fine. But Adam um,
1: Thielen now is a clear guy wide receiver Thielen,
0: one. Would you be surprised if he finished the season
1: with 150 targets? Like I would be surprised if he didn't finish the season with 150 targets.
0: Yeah, and that's even in a an offense that I do expect to be leaning on the run as long as they have Dalvin Cook there and healthy. I just think that Adam Thielen is a guy that, especially in PPR leagues, they're going to be counting on him for first downs. And he's going to be the primary read for your touchdowns. If you don't have Stefan Diggs there, like Irv Smith, Dalvin yeah. Cook.
1: I that's, do expect the passing it. attempts to go up next year as well. You have Kevin Stefanski gone. Gary Kubiak does like to throw a bit more. Now he's not like a he's they're not going to be top ten in passing attempts. He's but no I Bruce think, Arians. I don't think they're going to be the bottom of the league either. I think it's gonna come back to the middle. And I expect there to be more passing attempts. Adam Dylan should be heavily targeted, and I'm very excited about him this year. And he sh- he is my league winner, but I got stuck with Kenny Gallagher.
0: Twenty nineteen was just such an anomalous season for him. I can't, I can't imagine what he could have done if he was actually healthy this season. With the way that Stefan Diggs performed on the outside, I think he could have record or recorded much better stats if he was actually healthy and able to run routes. He was just on and off the field, even like his per game stats. They're hard to look at because there were plenty of games where he was on the field for like 10 offensive snaps, like just not, you know, those stats count against him as a full game, but he wasn't really playing. So I, I think, you know, I'll I'll jump on board in in terms of the recency bias here. I, I hope you all forget Adam Thielen, keep him out of your drafts. Because I'm going to be gobbling him up in, like, he's going in, like, the third round.
1: Yeah, so when we just brought up all the wide receivers going before, like, Juju was the last one, and that was the wide receiver 11. Adam Thielen's not going to the wide receiver 14. Yeah. That's So that's a really good value for him. And if you can go running back, running back, and then grab Adam Thielen in the third as your wide receiver one, love that. Forget about it. Because we're very much running back people. Like, I would love to start my draft running back, running back. Obviously, it all depends on what's there. You always have to stay flexible and go with the best player available. But I would love to start running back, running back, Adam Thielen.
0: But you also like and I think that's sort of the question, like if you are deploying that strategy of, of running back, running back wide receiver, like you have to look at ADP and you have to look at historical draft data in terms like in terms of deciding who is the last wide receiver that I can look at in this group and think, I could, I, I could live with them as my wide receiver one. Adam Thielen totally fits that category. Yeah. He is somebody that gives you that upside, but also gives you
1: a, a pretty safe floor. We love Juju. I would feel better with Adam Thielen as my wide receiver one than Juju.
0: Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I think Juju does have a higher ceiling, but yeah. Adam Thielen, I think... His floor more than makes up for the floor that we saw with Juju Smith-Schuster in 2019. Give me all of the Adam Thielen. And I'm just so excited that I got to talk about him. Not you.
1: Yeah, whatever. I talk about him enough.
0: <laughs> all right, let's move on to our busts. Who you got? NFC North. I feel like this is too... Who's got a flippity
1: flop? I feel like I'm taking this too easy here. And uh, taking the easy way out. It's Cheater! Detroit Lions running backs. So not just one, both of you them. You got
0: a whole team and a whole position.
1: Team. And when I say both of them, I'm just counting the two main starters that we believe will have a big role in this offense in some in some fashion. So we have on Johnson. Last year, he was my babe. Uh, drafted in the third round last yeah. year. Yeah, he was going very high in redraft last year. And then they drafted DeAndre Swift in the NFL draft this year in the second round. Whoops. People are very high on DeAndre Swift, so they're just throwing Kerryon Johnson to the curb. I think both will play a big role in the offense, and I think that's gross for fantasy. Last year, we're very excited for Kerryon Johnson to get this backfield. C.J. Anderson got cut. Right before the season, we thought Carrion was going to get all of this work, and he was going to see all of these targets. Hashtag
0: workhorse.
1: Yeah, and that didn't really happen too much. I mean, he was getting the carries, that's great, and I know he got hurt by week seven, but in weeks one through six, he was really, really bad. Like I was paying a very close like eye on him because I was very excited to see what he was going to turn into. 16 for 49, 12 for 41, 20 for 36. That is so bad. 20 carries oh my gosh. for 36 yards against Philly. And then Green Bay, 13 for 34. Like, four out of his five games that he played healthy were really bad. I know he put together a good game against Kansas City, 26 for 125. But at that point in the season, you have to remember that everyone was stream rolling the Kansas City Chiefs on the ground. Like, you wanted your running back against the Chiefs earlier on in the season. So I don't think that's all that impressive. And then his targets, he was only on pace to have, like, 42 targets with Stafford. That's nothing great for a running back. Now we're adding in Swift, who I th- re- thought reminded me a lot of Carryon Johnson, where neither of them are that great in between the tackles. And they're both kind of... Their biggest strengths would be... As a receiver,
0: yeah, and it's not even like when you saw Karrion Johnson fully healthy, it's not even like he was just being absolute peppered with targets two targets, three targets, one target, three targets. Like, that's not enough volume to sustain that lack of uh burst on the ground if that's what it was. I mean, even even against the Chiefs, at 26 for 125, you needed 26 yeah. carries. To manage 125 yards against the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So like, even even when we watched that game, because I was like, okay, this will be his game. He'll finally break out. Which it was. But there's still a moment even at the one yard line, he had multiple chances to get in the goal into the end zone. I'm pretty sure it fumbled on that one. Like he just couldn't get in, and then he fumbled. It was a disaster. <laughs> so it still wasn't a good game for him. And I he OJ Howard it. I <laughs> he, I understand why they drafted DeAndre Swift. I just I don't really know if this is a good fit for their offense either. Bo Scarborough was, like, the best for them. Uh, (laughs) Bring him back. I just don't know how many yards he's going to get on the ground. Maybe Swift sees a bunch of targets, but last year it showed us that Stafford wasn't really passing to the running back position. He prefers to go deep. What's good and bad for the running backs at the same time is that their defense should be so bad. So, both of these guys might not be great uh, between the tackles, but they're probably not going to be asked to do that too much because they're going to be down. So, maybe they'll get more targets. I'm not trusting anyone in this backfield because I think it's going to be just split. And I'm just not too excited about the production either way for either player.
0: Running back by committee is the death.
1: And if I thought one was going to be really great and one was going to take over. Maybe that's Swift, but I just don't know how great he's going to be. Yeah, I think... I wasn't very high on him as a prospect. Like, he's obviously a top five running back in this class. He is talented. He's good in the passing game. He was not great at anything on the ground. Like, he's not great at forcing missed tackles. He's not great at getting yards after contact. He's just... Okay.
0: I think both of them just cap each other's upside, and that's not... That's not what I want. Although... I, I will say that I mean Carryon Johnson is going almost undrafted. Like
1: he I don't is, want either one. he is, either is one on either.
0: everybody's poop list. I
1: think Carryon Johnson should be not even thought of. What I'm saying here is, I do think Swift has a better chance of winning the backfield. I do think Carryon Johnson is a part of this offense, I think but he's we a saw we saw him, yeah exactly he's he's more of a nu- nuisance than he is anything else. It doesn't mean I want to go draft him because he's going late. We saw him last year in the lead role and I just laid out the numbers for you. And yeah. that was out him sharing sure, a backfield. That's it was 49 true. 41 36 34 yards. All
0: right, I was about to make the argument for a like a, a late round value, but you just talked me out of it. Let me go on to my bust I don't need a lot of time to talk about this because it's not necessarily a, a huge bust. I'm actually getting a little bit higher on this guy as we progress through the offseason. Aaron Jones. Yeah, I'm getting higher on him. Great. I'm, so I'm still out at his current cost. He's going as the RB9 in half PPR formats. That's still too high, yeah. Still too high for me, especially when, you know, a lot of his value came... Uh, without Jamal Williams in the mix. I know they say that Jamal Williams could be on the bubble. I don't really see it. I like I could easily picture before, I don't think this
1: year when they're going to need so much depth, I don't think he's on the bubble.
0: I, I, I don't I don't see that happening. I feel like he's too well liked by the organization. I mean you need you needed to draft A.J. Dillon because it, either you sign Aaron Jones to a mega contract or you're you don't have anything else you know yeah. like you and need somebody to that Aaron him jones
1: just last offseason was thought of as injury prone like he made it through this season that's great but he had a lot of trouble making it through any season before this
0: he did and i i think they needed that insurance policy but just looking at the splits with aaron jones with and without jamal williams They are so horrendous. When we're looking at the games that he actually played with Jamal Williams, average 18 PPR points a game. That's fantastic. Uh, 3.9 targets per game, 25 receiving yards. That's nice. 13 rushing attempts. All right. In the split outside of those games uh, where Jamal Williams did not play, 22 rushing attempts per game. Yeah. 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 Jamal Williams is a nuisance. I know he doesn't like he's not relevant for fantasy, but he is still uh, a nuisance enough to to snipe these carries that make a huge difference. Uh, Aaron Jones averaged 62 rushing yards per game without or with Jamal Williams on the field without 100. And then let's look at his splits with and without. Devontae Adams
1: in 2019. I think that's the bigger thing there, especially in 2019. I know he didn't get as many carries with Jamal Williams on the but, field. So but that's
0: that's my point. You get Jamal Williams back, yeah. and now we also have the addition of A.J. Dillon, who I do think is going to eat into those carries. And A.J. Dillon is a guy that is big enough, and like that is what his game is, that he can just go into the end zone and bulldoze his way through.
1: Yeah. And people will point out that Aaron Jones was, what, the running back two last year. He did very well. But a lot of that came off of a few very, very massive games. Yes. Like, that helped pad his stats a lot. He had a lot of, you know, a handful of really bad games as well in there. And I think the biggest thing to take note from last year is when Adams was out, Aaron Jones was seeing so many targets And the four games that uh, Devonte Adams missed. Aaron Jones was on pace for 108 targets in the games that Adams played. He was on target for or he was on pace for 56 targets. That's cut in half. And 108 targets is insane. He was on pace for 1120 yards and 12 receiving touchdowns in the games that Adam missed. Like those games that Adam missed padded his stats so hard, gave him so many fantasy points. That's what made him a running back, too. And now, even if we just look at the games with Adams, he still is going to be a top twelve running back. We're not saying he would have fallen off the face of the earth. He still no, would have been but fine, I think but.
0: it's the perfect storm for that draft cost not to be worth it. So, like I, even if you consider the splits with with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams insignificant and not a big thing, compare that with the addition of. A.J. Dillon now to the mix and a healthy Devontae Adams. It's just not worth RB nine. It's it's not, and I I think there are just so many guys going behind him that I don't have the same concerns about like Leonard Fournette. Sure, he might not see a hundred targets in twenty twenty, but he's bound to. Uh, see more than three touchdowns. There are so many guys that I feel just more comfortable with going after him that I don't have all these questions about what is their offense going to look like? How is it going to work? He's just not worth the cost for me.
1: And I think the biggest thing everyone's brought up is just how those touchdowns will probably go down. What do you have like 18 on the ground last year? He had 17 rushing attempts inside the five yard line which is normal like you could have that again he scored 10 touchdowns on those 17 that's efficient which is very efficient because if you look at the two guys in front of them in front of him that had 18 carries and 18 carries inside the five that was joe mixon and david montgomery they each scored only five touchdowns so aaron jones doubled the touchdowns on the same number of carries
0: interesting yeah
1: so we should expect that to go down and the running back that they did draft is a is a beast of a man, so he he's still some goal line carries Derek as well. Derek Henry light. Very, very I mean not light as in weight, but light as in player.
0: Yes. Yeah. He's not. He's not Derrick Henry, trust me. All right, give me your value, Michelle.
1: All right, my value. I'm going with TJ Hawkinson here. He's going as a tight end thirteen. So it's uh, and I think that's fair because there is risk that comes into drafting T.J. Hawkinson, but the thing is the risk is kind of gone by the time you get to take him in what round twelve, thirteen. He's yeah, because who so are you late. taking after him? Exactly. So you're not drafting. You know, our dude is Tyler Higby. Well, you have to take him in like the six. So you're taking him over a running back or wide receiver that could really help you. So there is some risk there. We think it could be worth it. But then there's a guy like T.J. Hawkinson that I can get later, and I might be letting Hickby sit out there, not taking that risk, and going with Hawkinson, who I think has the same ceiling. You
0: know, in all those situations, I'm the one drafting Tyler Yeah, Hickby, right? I know,
1: I know. But even you know, so the other guys, Darren Waller, you have your Evan Ingrams, yeah. so they're all going much earlier, and I think T.J. Hawkinson has that same ceiling. Last year, T.J. Hawkinson did everything right as a rookie. It takes time for tight ends to grow in the NFL. It really does. And he did everything right before his injury in week 13. um, He was 10th in tight end targets. He only had one drop. He was 8th in yards per reception for the tight end position, 3rd in yards after catch. The biggest issue with Hawkinson last year, where we didn't feel like he was scoring any fantasy points, 41% of his targets were uncatchable. That was the most in the NFL. 41%. That's a lot. So let's hope Stafford and him can get on the same page this year. Stafford can fix this issue. And he can start seeing some more catchable targets. But I like the offense he's in. They like to throw the ball. They like to throw it deep. And with Hawkinson's athletic ability and yards after catchability – I do think he could be a great tight end in this league. He was the best prospect at the tight end position coming out last year. And like a long time. People were very excited about Hawkinson. So I'm going to give him another shot. Rookie tight ends, you shouldn't drafted him last year. I mean, if you were burned by him last year and redraft, that's your own fault. Don't draft rookie tight ends and redraft.
0: Yeah, even if they are considered generational, like, do not, don't, you can't, you can't I'll miss out on the
1: Evan Ingrams. So I don't keep busting on even the greats, even the great prospects of TJ Hawkinson. Like, I know Evan Ingram had a great rookie season, but that's so rare. Just don't draft them, and now wait until their second year, let them fall into the 13th round, and then reap the benefits.
0: I think that's fair. Um, My value is kind of gross. Just a little... Yeah, it really is. (laughs) Just a little bit gross. But hear me out here. So... For every fantasy football team, you need your, uh, you need those stable assets, right, to provide you a floor, to mix in those high ceiling opportunity guys. All yeah. right, this no. is the he's floor not high play. Ceiling. Okay,
1: yeah.
0: I'm saying this is the floor okay. play. Okay, say who it is. Uh, David Montgomery.
1: Yeah, Gross. First.
0: Um, so, David Montgomery. He's currently being drafted as the running back twenty three which is, like, bottom-end RB2. but which he is. He is. But, like, I think we're underestimating the volume that he received. He saw fewer than 10 carries just twice in his rookie season, 267 total touches. He just wasn't productive. But neither were the Bears. Like, period. Across the board. Bears in 2019, second-fewest yards per play. Fifth-fewest first downs. Sixth-fewest touchdowns scored. It was a bad offense. Fourth in total points. Or fourth worst in total points. They were not a good offense whatsoever. But you look at David Montgomery. I I mean, even watching them, it was just the worst. Like, I wanted to throw up watching the Bears last year. Nagy was not calling good plays. (laughs) Like... It was literally like somebody word vomited a playbook all over the field.
1: I think you've been mean enough to the Bears offense. Okay, so what sorry. do you like about Montgomery going
0: in? <laughs> it's literally volume. I um, <laughs> two hundred and sixty seven total touches on the season. It is so hard to find a running back that gets that kind of volume. I mean, it, when you look at the the rushing attempts, the next up on the board was Tariq Cohen with sixty four rushing attempts. He has no. Competition in that backfield. You're looking at a guy who gets all the red zone carries, all the carries inside the five. I
1: just brought up he had 18 carries inside the five and he only scored five touchdowns. So if that doubled and went to 10 like Aaron Jones did, then he would have been much better for fantasy.
0: Exactly. And he didn't do well in terms of fantasy points for touch, fantasy points for snap. He was on the field a lot. He just, like, I see 2019 as his floor. Like, yeah. I, I but just he think he was there's... almost
1: unplayable last year. I owned him in a lot of leagues. I, I fell for this David Montgomery, Matt you Nagy fell for him. But as... I was actually, I was right. I thought he was going to see a ton of volume, and I thought Matt Nagy was going to be a good quarter or er, good coach. He so was I was wrong and right <laughs> about both things. Now the biggest issue w- that I have with David Montgomery is that he was super inefficient in college. And then in the NFL, he was super inefficient. And we see a massive correlation between this for the last 10, 20 years. When you're inefficient in college, you don't come to the NFL and just randomly become efficient, right? It only happens to, like, two guys total in all of 20 years. So I'm just worried that he's not going to be efficient. But at the same point, if he has 267 touches again... If he gets into the end zone more, if Matt Nagy will finally target him a bit more, because he could be used in the passing game, he has pretty good hands, then he should be decent for fantasy.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I'm buying into volume. I think he's going to see the volume, and it can't get much worse. That's not
1: that
0: <laughs> that's not the tagline that you want to advertise yourself as. It can't get much worse.
1: There's just a lot of players going around him that I think they're not as safe with the volume but they have a much higher ceiling. So when you're looking at a rookie mostert or a Mark Ingram, they're much more efficient so you don't need that same volume. They're on better offenses. I don't have draft to worry about both it. of
0: those guys. I want all of the running backs. Yeah anyway, moving on, give me your sleeper.
1: I am going with another Bears player here. So we won't be so mean to your Bears at this time. <laughs> like we just were. Kate okay? just threw up all over them. Your offense sucks! I, I'm gonna go with Anthony Miller, the wide receiver, wide receiver two for Chicago. Now, last year, like you already brought up, that Bears offense was pretty pretty bad. They only averaged 17 and a half points per game. But they did rank 14th in passing attempts. 14th in passing attempts is good for fantasy wide receivers. You want the offense to be attempting many passes. Now, the bigger issue is that even though they were 14th in passing attempts, they were only 25th in both passing yards and passing touchdowns.
0: They weren't very good passes. No,
1: they were not. Now, Anthony Miller was being touted as a sleeper last offseason, and that did not work out. But Taylor Gabriel was a big issue for Anthony Miller seeing targets,
0: which is so weird cuz he
1: wasn't he, he wasn't playable for fantasy. No, but he he stole a lot of targets, he threw, he stole a lot of snaps. Now, Taylor Gabriel missed some time with multiple concussions. And in those games that Taylor Gabriel missed, Anthony Miller was actually very good, and he could be used for fantasy. Anthony Miller produced 506 of his 656 total receiving yards in the 8 games that Gabriel missed. So Anthony Miller only put up 656 total yards last year in the whole season. 506 of those came in just eight games. and those. Were, I'm no
0: math whiz, but that's those, a lot.
1: Yeah, and those were the same eight games that Taylor Gabriel missed or played less than 60%, I should add. There was one game in there that he played less than 60% of the snaps due to injury. All right. So in those eight games, Miller was targeted 7.6 targets per game putting him on pace for 122 targets on the season. He was really good when Taylor Gabriel did not play, and now he's not on the team anymore. Gabriel's gone, and they didn't really replace him. But
0: what about Jimmy Graham? Yeah, the Bears
1: didn't really stock up this year in offensive weapons. They added Jimmy Graham, and that's pretty much it. So this team is in desperate need of another target. Not every target can go to Allen Robinson or Tariq Cohen they need another target. I think Anthony Miller steps up in his third year. He's the next third year breakout. We have to remember Anthony Miller was a second round pick just three years ago. Like they were relying on him to step up in this offense. They drafted him early. So I'm excited to see what he can do. He's being drafted anywhere from the wide receiver 50 to the wide receiver 65. It's not risky, but you can get him so late and he's a, I do think he's a wide receiver. You can plug into your flex spot pretty early on and he has the upside to jump into that wide receiver two role where you can start playing him every week and he can be consistent.
0: Yeah, I love it. And I, I mean the the point of this this segment is to identify people that even if they don't hit, you haven't invested really anything in them. Yeah. Um my guy, Irv Smith Junior, Minnesota tight end, I know, I know Kyle Rudolph. He's got lots of tattoos. He's a tough guy. I love Kyle Rudolph too, guys. But Irv Smith Jr. was was drafted by the Vikings. And guess what? They used him last year. Rookie season. You know, we have talked time and time again about how hard it is for the tight end position to adjust to NFL play. Uh, how hard it is to, you know, also pick up blocking schemes while trying to run routes and there's just so many responsibilities that a tight end has but when you look at his usage in his rookie season he almost mirrored the usage of kyle rudolph we saw an absolute like floor from kyle rudolph in terms of his playing time he literally literally saw the same number of targets as earth smith jr in his first season like I feel like that's, that's a big deal to see the same number of targets as your veteran counterpart saw just 56 fewer receiving yards. He played 181 less snaps. Like, so you're looking at those, those opportunities there. They were mostly blocking snaps. You can easily argue that, you know, for Minnesota, you know, they're going to utilize the run scheme, but I mean, Dalvin Cook, he can only run the ball so much, and they are going to have to throw the ball. Adam Thielen can't absorb everything. I just think there's plenty of opportunity for Irv Smith Jr. to uh, see a nice target volume and also just have that second-year leap that you know we can see in tight ends. His usage was already really encouraging.
1: He's on an offense where it makes sense for a breakout tight end. We always say, if you're looking for a breakout tight end, and now this does not go with my Hawkinson, which I brought up before, so just ignore that fact. But when you're (laughs) looking for a breakout tight end, you want to go to an offense that needs another pass catcher, like desperately. And I think that could be the Vikings. So I like Justin Jefferson. He just got put on the COVID list. It doesn't mean he has it. But he's going to be behind now in practice for, we don't know how long. It could just be a week, a couple weeks. We'll see. But already, rookies are behind. Stephon Diggs is gone. the BC is not a thing. So hey, you have Adam Galen, hey. who we love. And then who else? Like, let's see who stops up. It could be the young, very talented, very athletic tight end that could see a big boost in target. So I'm with you there.
0: The Vikings already target, targeted the tight end position at the ninth highest rate among all teams in, in 2019, which is impressive because they just didn't throw the ball. So it. They threw 23.9% of their targets to the tight end. Imagine if we give Irv Smith just a few more of those.
1: Yeah. Just and a if few they more. just throw a bit more. They're, for this offense to bring us good value in fantasy, besides Dalvin Cook, they are going to have to throw the ball more.
0: They're going to have to throw the ball more, I think, period. I think Stephon Diggs does a lot for the efficiency of that offense. He's and a huge... the defense,
1: they lost a lot of defensive pieces. So. Hopefully for fantasy, they struggle a little bit more in defense. Yeah, have to a good play thing. catch up
0: a little bit. Yeah. I, I just think the the game script should be correct for Irv Smith Jr. The opportunities there in terms of target availability. I like Irv Smith Jr. a lot, and I just think he's a uh, underrated asset period but he's about, free he's yeah, undrafted
1: i am worried about him going into the season if i were to only draft irv smith jr like i wouldn't really want to put him into my lineup week one but if you have a little bit of a deeper bench like maybe let's say six or seven in redraft instead of a or which like, you're going bench,
0: to need like yeah, we, we haven't even gotten into the the topic of what do you do for covid
1: yeah But if you do have that a little bit of a deeper bench, I do think it's okay to take a tight end a little bit earlier and then go with a backup in Irv Smith Jr. that has a higher ceiling and just kind of hold on to him for just a couple weeks, see what's happening with him. And if he's doing nothing, then you'll probably have to end up dropping him because it's hard to, it's hard to own two tight ends and keep one on your bench. But
0: here's what I would do. Okay, so if I'm going to target a guy like Irv Smith Jr., who I think is a, is a breakout. I'll just draft Johnny Smith a few rounds earlier or a Dallas Goddard a few rounds earlier. And I get two late round values. I feel a little bit safer about Irv Smith.
1: You could just get zero points in your tight end spot like every week. That's fantastic.
0: I think I think both of those guys will do just fine. I actually have Johnny Smith projected as a top 10 tight end. Woo. Sweating it, Woo. sweating it out. Um, Michelle, you got anything else for us today?
1: No, I'm good. That was a good convo about the NFC North, a division that always seems a little bit boring for fantasy, but there are so many options. Like you just said, like we don't think of it as a thriving fantasy. Division. It's not sexy. It's not sexy, but there's a lot of good options in here and we need to. And I feel like all the defenses are kind of not what they used to be. So maybe we'll get more, even more fantasy points from them.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love it. Um, Everybody, be sure to check us out over at ballblastfootball.com. In case you have been living under a rock, we merged with the Fantasy Red Shirts. They're amazing. Um, We've got a lot of great content coming out. A a constant stream of fantasy football information that I'm really excited about. Go
1: check out the site. It's pretty bomb. Ballblastfootball.com. Yes. Kate created it. It looks awesome. Uh, follow me on Twitter at ballblastum, ballblast E-M. Follow me
0: on Twitter at FFBallblast. Follow the podcast at BallblastFB. Uh, Instagram, Twitter, all the good stuff. And be sure to check out our Patreon. Lots of premium content available on our website to our Patreon subscribers. Some extra content there. Uh, our full projections, our full rankings. All of those are live on our site to get you ready for your fantasy football drafts. Uh, Everybody have a great week. Bye y'all. Bye.